Good evening and welcome to our midweek service. Good to have you here. Um, many challenges we face during the week. Whatever we face, it's always good to come back and to uh, have the fellowship of each other and the encouragement that the Lord gives to us in, in prayer. So we come tonight to pray. I've been going through Ecclesiastes sections and looking at encouragements for prayer and that the theme of Ecclesiastes is the vanity of everything that is not of God. Yeah. Anything that is not centered in God is, is vain, which means it begins to be pointless, um, going away from the purpose of God. It, um, it is very temporary or temporal, um, like that breath is the word that we, we think about when we think about um, futile and vanity. It's, it's brief. It's, it's, it has only a temporary uh, holding power or significance. And so everything that is not of God, God is working out his plan and uh, if we want what we do to last, we need to do it under his purpose, under his will, which means we can come to him and pray. We can thank him. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Thy will be done. Um, thy kingdom come. And that's what we pray for. We recognize that his kingdom isn't fully uh, inaugurated uh, in its fullest yet until Christ comes back and reigns. And we're looking forward to this. And uh, we long for that, so we pray for that. Thy kingdom come. We pray for that. And the reason why we pray for that is we recognize that as our greatest comfort. Whatever your comfort is, that's what you pray towards. Lord, bring me my paycheck. Give me my stimulus, stimulus check. Um, make this cold going. Whatever brings you comfort, that's what you, you, you tend to pray for. We recognize as believers, those things are temporary. His kingdom is eternal. That's what we long for, and that that's what we pray. So Ecclesiastes is reminding us of the messed up world that we live in <laughs> so that we would pray, so that we would lean on God, that we would trust God. Remember the end of Ecclesiastes talks about fear God. The end of the matter is this, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Um, because God is supreme. So in Ecclesiastes 8, we'll look at it just a few verses there, and then chapter 9. Um, verse 2 says, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? Let me just pause there. It's two things he states there. One is... Obey authority. Obey the authority that God has placed you under. Even though we live in a messed up world, God has still given us that command to obey authority. All authority comes from God, is instituted by God, and has been given to us to submit to. When we submit to authority, we show our trust in God. We, in essence, are saying, 
I'm going to follow you because God has ordered me to do that. Not because of, of your great power necessarily or even of great respect for you. It's because I respect and I honor God first and foremost that I'll obey those who God places in front of me. Secondly, because we recognize all authority is coming from God. And so we ultimately are showing our respect and our and, and, and our obedience and our allegiance to God. We, we, we follow him. We obey him. When we look at authority, we're reminded that we, we always have a, uh, a flawed authority, whether as fathers in the home, whether as pastors in the church, whether as uh, uh, employers on the job or, or supervisors on the job. We are human and we, we are sinful and we, we are flawed. And that reminds us of our longing for God's authority and rule in our lives. And those of us under those flawed authorities, which is all of us, recognize this is going to be made right when God, when his kingdom come and his will is done. So we recognize that. So it is, again, that, that longing uh, for that reminding us um, to, to do that. He says in verse 7, um, he does not know what is to be, or who can tell him how it will be. We don't know the future um, of things here on earth. Uh, we have, you know, those little sayings. In fact, I have a little, a little plaque in my home. I don't know uh, what the future holds, but I know who holds tomorrow, and that's so, so very true. Um, we can, we can, um, trust God and we show our trust of God in, in how we submit um, to things right now. Um, verse 8, no man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. And that's a key theme in Ecclesiastes. We don't have control of that, do we? Why do we worry about it? Especially us as believers, we do a lot of fretting. Why do we fret over our health? Because we fret death and anything that's associated with that. We don't have a power over that. The doctor can tell you one thing. Um, it may be bad news and God may halt it. It may be good news and God may say, eh, not so quickly. So we don't have the power over that. God has power over that. We we are urged then to put things in God's hands and to, to pray to him, submit to him. So we pray, don't we? We come and we pray. The last part of verse of chapter 18, um, excuse me, the last part of chapter 8 is in verse 16 7, and 17. Chapter 8, verse 16. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night does one's eye see sleep <laughs> then I saw the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun however much man may toil in seeking he will not find it out even though wise man claims to know he cannot find it you know sometimes we as believers we go Lord give me peace show me your way and he said wait a minute I'm not telling you everything I didn't give that for you to know your peace is trusting me when you don't know the way. And that's what Ecclesiastes says. You don't know uh, the way of things. You can't figure out all the way of God. Uh, you can't predict the future. You don't know what's ahead. 
and you weren't meant to know that, and yet you were meant to not worry and to trust in God. So we go, Lord, I don't like being in limbo. I don't like not knowing. He says, that's all reason that you should trust in me. By the way, he says, hasn't he showed himself faithful? You can read, you know, the Bible says in Romans uh, 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so we can grow our faith as we listen to what God says and learn about what he's done. But we also have that experience in our own lives that we have seen God's faithfulness. We would just think and reflect. We would see. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, the story of the history of Israel is told over and over again. So they would look back and see God's faithfulness, right? There's a song of Moses written to so, so Israel would think about how God saved them from, from Egypt and delivered them, right? And they were to remember that and put it in a song. And so our lives, we are to remember, think, and reflect on what God has done. We'll see that he has shown himself faithful to us. Yes, we've had challenges, but if we look, we'll see that he has allowed us to, to meet and to face those challenges by depending on him. So we don't have to know everything. That's not what brings peace. We know him who does know everything. And that is, is, is who we depend on. That's where our trust is, and that's where our rest. Um, you saw in that other section, oh, right here, neither day nor night does one's eyes see sleep. I don't know about you, but it's happened to me even this week. I'm laying up at night and just reflecting. And so I, 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 stop, I had to consciously stop myself from reflecting and consciously pray. You know, you can act like you're praying and you're not actually, you're just still thinking about it. You're still mulling it over. But I have to consciously pray. Lord, here is the matter that just keeps coming up in my mind. It's not even especially troubling. It's just what I got to do tomorrow or whatever it is. I recognize you as the God of tomorrow. I recognize myself as your son, your child. I'm in your hands. Help me to, to trust in that. And right now, help me to, to rest in that and give me a measure of sleep so I can face tomorrow. And I struggle with it. You may struggle with it. You know, I can say it may be an age thing as you get older. It's, you know, you, it's harder to sleep sometimes. But whatever we face, whether it's age or whether it's stress or whether it's, you know, the... the, the the issues of the day, the answer is still the same, is I trust God. I practice trusting in God. And so we pray. We pray to express our trust in God. And so um, we don't know all that's going to happen. In, in chapter 9, <clears throat> he brings that, that similar theme about death and not knowing all that's going to happen. Oh, verse 1, but all this I laid to heart, examine it at all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean. Excuse me. To him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is, is he who shuns an oath. What is he talking about? 
same event happens, what is it? It's death. It's the end of life that we face. I know as a church we're coming up on, on uh, front row Monday, actually two front rows. Um, I think about our family, Mickey, and what's happened there. Um, and so um, we're reminded of life, how brief it is, how short it is. We're reminded of death. And uh, we're reminded that, you know, we don't control all of that, but we are to trust in God. <clears throat> As I mentioned, uh, death in, in our family, what happened was... Um, um, Mickey and, and Jackie both have a sister whose daughter's husband passed away with just a massive heart attack and he was, he was a young man uh, she just came into his room and there he was on the floor his funeral was happening the same day that uh, we had Sister Spears funeral um, and so you know those things they hit you and you, you recognize what that is that's going on, or, or this is a part of life that we face. Um, but it happens to the saved and the unsaved. He's saying here, the same thing happens for the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil. Um, and so we are reminded of that. And then we're reminded then to, to pray, to trust God. We, um, as we look towards the end, the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, we're reminded the end of that matter is that we are to fear God. We are to obey him. And, and we are to, to trust in him and, and walk according to his purpose. That is the purpose that he gave us. And so tonight we come and we pray. We recognize that we face a lot of things, but we need to rely on God. We need to practice that trust. We need to exercise our faith and pray tonight. So I encourage us. We have a God who wants us to pray and ministers to us as we pray. Good evening, saints. We want to continue our meditation in the Gospel of John. In John 11, we come to um, a similar topic to what we were discussing in Ecclesiastes about death. And read, well, you know what, instead of reading it, Let's just do something a little bit different today. Who knows what John 11 is about? All right, Lazarus. Let's just expound on that. What is chapter 11 about? Death and resurrection of Lazarus. Anybody can say what they feel about that. You can expound. You got more about it? Yep, that is a very good summary of the chapter. Let's talk about this. What, you look at this chapter, what are some verses that stick out to you?
Jesus wept. All right, let's talk about that verse. Jesus wept. What does that teach us? Death is sad no matter, even if you know the guy is going to be resurrected in a few hours, right? What Jesus, there's there's a false idea in some aspects of Christianity where they say, we shouldn't be sad because so-and-so went to heaven. Or we shouldn't be sad because we went in. Or things like that. You hear those kind of sentiments. And that's a false sentiment. And you never see anybody in the Bible ever follow anything like that. Right? In fact, Jesus weeps. So of all people to have all kind of victory and to have all faith, if Jesus is weeping about a guy he's going to resurrect, then death is sad. And death requires mourning. You never see deaths in the Bible that don't, people don't mourn. That's healthy. It's healthy to be sad. It's healthy to mourn. Death is sad. What other verses stick out to you? I, I got a verse that I, it says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Hmm? Right? When you see verses that make you go, hmm? It's trying to teach us something, right? Repeated often is this idea, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now let's talk about that a little bit because I believe as believers, some believers have a false idea. This false idea that if they do good, Jesus' purpose is to heal them. Jesus makes it very clear in this chapter that his purpose is not to prevent us from dying. Doesn't he? He makes it very clear that his purpose is not to prevent us from dying, not to prevent us from all pain, not to prevent all illnesses, not to heal all diseases. In fact, all the miracles that Jesus did Do you know that Peter and Paul and all the others still had to heal people? Which tells us what? Jesus didn't heal everybody. He healed a lot of people. He did not heal everybody. And people who make it Jesus' purpose to heal, then Jesus failed. Right? If Jesus' purpose was to heal the world, he failed. If Jesus' purpose was to bring people together, as some people say, he failed. Was that his purpose? He says what his purpose is in verse 3. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's a hard verse. It's not a simple verse. It's a hard verse. Because what it means is Jesus will use any means to glorify himself, which means even a saint's death. That's why some preachers preach about dying with dignity. They say, saints, we have to teach the world how to die. All of us will face death. All of us will go the way of the world. We all get born, we don't all get married, but we will all die. 
And since we must die, there must be a Christian way to die. And we must face death with the eye on eternity. When he talked to Martha, Martha, he pushed Martha. And Martha said, Lord, I know that you're going to bring the resurrection when you reach basically at the end of the age. And I think that's so important because when you look at Martha's faith, oftentimes we look at faith as in Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. But Martha was looking at faith as Jesus, one day you're going to resurrect everybody. Which is also the ministry of Jesus, right? That's why I often speak about the whole ministry of Jesus. Yes, the cross is central, but isn't his return central to our faith? His return means we don't have to wait forever. There is a rescue coming. Now let's unlock this chapter. What are the keys that's going to open this chapter up to somebody who just thinks that this is a story? What are the keys that open up this chapter? give three keys. Go ahead, Aaron. Okay. Definitely. Definitely is a key. The key is in there that Jesus grants life. Right? What's another key? Jesus will. Mm -hmm. Jesus was fully involved and invested even though he knew there was loss, right? That's definitely um, a, a secondary key. Yeah. I think the biggest... And maybe one of the bigger keys in this chapter is that we have to trust God's plan, right? Why did Jesus wait two more days? We got to trust God's plan. Why didn't you come earlier, Jesus? We got to trust God's plan. Why did Jesus have to weep? He had to trust God's plan. Jesus, don't roll the stone away. He stinks. You got to trust that God knows what he's doing more than you. Jesus, we gonna go to Judea. Don't you know they wanna kill us? You gotta trust God's plan. And everywhere you get this idea, nah, don't look at that. Trust me. Do you trust me? And that's the central question in the whole chapter. Even though it is about life and death, even though it is about sympathy towards death, it's really about do you trust Jesus? And what's our biggest enemy? Is death. Do we trust Jesus over the inevitability of death? We all know we're going to die. Do we all know that Jesus saves? We have to have that same certainty that people will die, that Jesus will save. Because only he can overcome death. You got to trust him to believe that. Good evening, everybody. 
So if you were here last Wednesday, you see there is a lot going on with the roof and finances and stuff. So what I want to do is I want to just focus on those two items today. Um, let's have um, Adele, if you could pray for um, just that God continues to bless us financially. Um, obviously, we approve the loan, um, but also we have the um, option of, of pursuing this Paycheck Protection Program so that just that God is able to make that happen, no strings attached, and it's going to be able to help us to um, be able to raise some of those funds. Um, and then, Patty, if you could just pray for the continued faithfulness of um, the people in the church, because um, I don't want us to lose sight is that even though we've raised the money as far as the loan, that, that doesn't mean we still need to continue to give more to meet that loan. So I don't want us to become complacent in it, that it's not something that we're still trying to get the money for, that we have the money, but we still have to pay that back. So um, if you would just pray for that, and then I'll close this up. Dear Holy Father, we just come before your throne of grace and mercy in the time of need, as always, oh God, because we always need you. And we ask for forgiveness of sin, Lord, for anything we've done out of thought, or deed, commission, or mission, oh God. As we come before your throne, we want to confess those things to you, knowing that we are sinners, that we've, uh, we've fallen short of, of your expectation, of your, of your call for us, Lord. But despite that, we do thank you for the love of Jesus and for your salvation that you've given us, oh God. It's not based on what we do, but it's based on what he's done. And we thank you for that. And we, uh, we help us to live lives that, that display that thanksgiving toward you. Lord, I, we know that you are our provision. You provide everything. You give us life. You give us breath. Uh, you give us uh, food to eat and clothes to wear. You provide everything for us. You've given us jobs and you've given us means by which we can take care of ourselves, oh God, because you love us and you care for us. And we're, Lord, we know that we are also a part of your church, Lord, whom you, and we're all together, and we are here, and we are called here by you to do this work and the, that you called us to do, to be here to encourage one another and to worship and to praise you. And we thank you, O oh God, for the provision that you provided, even in the hard and difficult times this past year has thrown our way, O oh God, that you've been there, you've been steadfast, and you've blessed us abundantly, Lord. And we thank you for that, and we thank you just for how you provided a way when there seemed like there was going to be no way, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for the, for we didn't know how um, that, uh, uh, you know, we were going to be able to take care of the roof. I remember Cliff was talking about some things. He was thinking about ways that it could be taken care of, oh God, but you had a better way. And we thank you for that, oh God, that you have provided a way for us to take care of the roof because this building is a place in which your church meets to worship and to praise you. And we thank you, oh God, that you have as you've blessed us in that way. We thank you for that. The tithes have been paid, people have been paying the tithes as they should. And, and just the many ways that you've blessed us, that we've been able to keep the doors open and the lights on. We know, oh God, that the building's not the church. We are the church, oh God. But you've given us this place, oh God, to meet together and to be together and to pray together. And to and we just thank you and to worship you. And we just thank you for that. And uh, all these things, we pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. We just come to you tonight um, by thanking you for all the provision financially that we've met the goals so far um, and providing for the, the roof that needs to be fixed, Lord. And we just 
pray for encouragement of our members towards tithing even more than they um, possibly can, Lord. We just thank you for all you have done, for all of uh, the things, for your continued provisions and encouragement for the members here and all the other things that we've um, asked and given. Before we continue in prayer, we just lift up um, the church and its finances. Since I've been treasurer here, Lord, I know you have continued to bless and help us meet our needs, Lord. You've used the people of the church. You've stirred them up, allowed them to give, allowed them to give joyfully and liberally, Lord. But you've also given us means um, outside of the church, Lord, just people randomly giving us land, Lord. Um, we just praise you in that. We know that you are in control of our finances, Lord. Um, we're looking to raise money, as you know, to try to repair this building, to repair this roof, Lord. And um, we ask that you just continue to bless us, Lord, continue to allow these things to go through um, the loan and then this um, paycheck protection program, Lord, that um, you allow it to just help bless us financially, that we can use it to continue to do your work, continue to keep this place um, in, in well-kept and working order, Lord. And um, we just ask that you just continue to just be mindful of us, Lord, continue to stir up your people, continue to, to bless them financially so they can bless the church financially, Lord, and just continue to just grow this ministry. And in your name we pray. 